guys, do you know what Peru, mistletoe, waves, and plastic have in common? No idea. Christmas? I don't know. Well, I guess we'll find out. Hello and welcome to the Science Basement Podcast, a podcast for people who love all things science. Today is our holiday episode, and so things will be slightly different. And we've gathered parts of the team, not everyone could join, sadly, and we'll be discussing fun facts today. And so, Katia, what do you have for us today? Hi, everyone. Um, So I'm very excited for today's episode. Um, Fun facts are close to my heart. Um, But since it's the holiday times and um, many of us go, tend to go home and see friends and family during this time, I thought I'd have a fact related to friends. So my fun fact is that close friends are literally on the same wavelength um, or share similar brain patterns. So in January of 2018, there was a study published in Nature Communications um, where researchers asked a cohort of grad students to self-report how close they are. And they predicted that they would then be able to see um, how close they are based on fMRI results. So what they did is um, first they self-reported how close they are. And then the participants, or some of them, Um, watched a series of the same videos in an fMRI scanner. So an fMRI scanner essentially tracks blood flow to different brain regions. And the idea is that the more active a certain region is, the more blood flow there will be in that area. But so they watched videos across different like topics. So there were some comedy, um, politics, music, all sorts. And they watched these same ones. So the researchers were indeed correct in predicting that the closer friends had the most similar brain activity patterns. So wait, 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 wait. Just to get this straight. Um, so the researchers, they thought, or at least they hypothesized, apparently correctly, that they could predict the relationship between two volunteers based on their brain activity while the subjects were watching the same videos. Exactly. So like the brains of two friends would behave in the same way? Yeah, exactly. So, Or, more correctly, they would behave in the same way. Okay, bad joke, sorry. That was an amazing pun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that was actually exact. So they had predicted that, you know, because what's this old saying that birds of a feather flock together or whatever. And, you know, we kind of, at least I've experienced this with friends. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I'll be like, we'll be like chatting about something and be like, no way. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, so they were, wanted to dig into this because it's never actually been, you know, shown scientifically in on like a brainwave level. But um yeah, that's what they did. And they saw that, they also saw it the other way, that the um, closer away somebody had said that they're not as close to somebody, let's say, um, that they were more dissimilar, the patterns, which is pretty awesome. Wait, but in that one, that is that is so weird. Like, how, how many people that they knew went to the MRI, MRI scanner? Like, that that feels like they grabbed a whole... I don't know, like a whole classroom is like, okay, make a list of friends here of that people, because 
how do you measure webs in that in that way? Because like, I don't know. I can I can feel, I feel I can tag along a friend and just like yeah sure go and step into this machine to test them um, to test how friends they are. Mm. That yeah. sounds yeah, that yeah, sounds, yeah. Sounds... But having a group of friends just kind of like to be fair that sounds like a really fun like night out activity. It doesn't, Tom. Thomas, it does not sound like... I don't know. I guess we have very different ideas of fun activity. Sorry. But yeah, no, it was... So they had 279 participants in total who completed, like, fully completed this serve with a 100% response rate. And then 42 who participated in the fMRI study. And um, if you go to the paper, which we'll be linking, you can actually see this really cool social network diagram but the basically it looks like this complicated spider web with lots of dots in it but it's um yeah it's fun to see the connections and then actually see that you're like okay you can report that you're close to somebody but the fact that you actually think in a similar way and this was even when i think taking out factors such as like gender or you know Although it makes me wonder, so they they paired the friends based on the questionnaires, I assume, right? The researchers didn't know, so they I I, I assume they they said, hey, a person B, who's your friend? Uh, person C, right? Okay, let's see if B and C, you know, if their brains work together. Is that what happened? I think it was beyond pairing. It was even like they somehow rated on a scale, like how close they are to the whole cohort ah, so they of make like students. A cor- like, okay, so like a it's correlation. Like a whole- Mm. okay like a whole web and i wonder whether it works like you know you grade someone as highly friends if you know pass me this term but actually you're just indicating someone who actually thinks a lot like you because of course everyone say oh no I, you know i I surround myself with people with completely different ideas from mine because of enrichment and blah 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 but you know how many people actually do that so i'm wondering whether it's what we are actually seeing is that similar people have similar brain behaviors and then because they their brain work in a similar way they also tend to consider themselves more friends i don't know i'm just speculating here i I think that was the i think that was the logic here but and and then here i was now checking the paper more precisely for the terminology that it wasn't the friend level but it was like the social distance so the closer ah, okay. it's like how close you feel rather than friend the actual yeah. friendship yeah, yeah. So it could be like so it could be also consider someone who you're not friend with but you would feel that you you could get along with you're like a vibe yeah. you vibe with them <laughs> actually exactly you could yeah. see you you're literally like, because, vibing yeah you're vibing and yeah yeah oh, awesome i love that so we have yeah. quantifiable we can quantify human connections okay no that's a big leap sorry yeah. i'll shut up now <laughs> There was one thing that they pointed out is that although the results um, suggest that friends have very similar neural responses to stimuli um, or naturalistic stimuli to be precise, um, due to the study's cross-sectional nature, they couldn't say based on the results alone if the neural response similarity was a cause or a consequence of the friendship. So they'll hopefully, or they would like to do future longitudinal studies um, to look into this further. So did everybody in the study know each other to more or less of an extent? Or were there some complete strangers as a control? Ooh. Oh, I have to say, um, that's a good question. Actually, it would be a really good control. Just if, if you have the, the strangers and then 
you make them hang out and just kind of predict how close they're going to be. It's just like, mm. how, how, how good mates are you going to be with them? Um, I mean, really disturbing, but yeah. Guys, I just got a terrifying idea. <laughs> what Tomas, what you said. I, because there was this episode of Black Mirror, I think, oh, no. where there was yeah. this <laughs> dating app that would give you the perfect match. Now I know now this is fanta biology. Don't get me wrong, but I just can't get this idea out of my of my head now that Tomas has said this because I'm thinking in a future where a software can compare two brains' activity and say, "Yep, you match 99%. Here is your partner." I mean, that terrifies me. And and to think like maybe there were even people like I didn't like look into this more, but imagine if there were people who didn't know each other very well, but then they react they had a similar brain activity pattern. Maybe they could be like, hey, you guys might get along, like maybe go hang out. So this is the premise for a reality TV show. It's the science-based <laughs> reality TV show. There you go. We're gonna get the algorithm. Perfect. We're gonna connect people. We're gonna use science communication to get everybody to have new friends and as a positive feedback for the ai we get the audience to vote so that (laughs) we give the the thumbs up as you know like good grades for the ai so that the the positive feedback and negative grades is a negative feedback so the ai is trained by the audience oh my god i'm disgusted by my own words i'm sorry after discussing this marvelous dystopia um we should probably go for our next fact. So, Giuliano, what do you have for us? Okay, mine, I don't think it's a dist- I mean, okay, I'll let you judge. So, what I found quite, so the, the article itself, it's not necessarily funny. It, it's nice, it's good news. Someone found uh, a, a nice way of replacing plastic in a sustainable way, in an environmentally friendly way. Ooh. But what made me laugh was the the the, the fun way of clickbaiting this this paper by a website called I Love Science IFL S is it called the acronym anyway. So I when I look for fun facts, you know, science fun facts, I try to go you know there first, and because you know, and then I. I I dig and go to the original paper. So their article said, scientists made plastic out of salmon sperm. Now, of course, if you read that title, what, you're not opening it? Of course you do. So I dug and I got the original paper. The original paper just says, and I'm reading the title, right? Sustainable bioplastic made from biomass, DNA, and ionomers. Sorry, I'm not sure where the, the stress goes there. So I read the whole paper, right? And it's, it's an amazing idea. It's beautiful. So what they did was that they created a plastic-like material out of DNA, right? Which, you know, for the people listening not familiar with the concept, is basically the molecule that contains the instructions for the proteins in our body. So... It's not really a structural molecule. We, our body don't use it really to build things physically, but it turns out that you can actually do it. So, and the funny thing, the, the good thing is that it actually works as a really useful plastic. It, it's literally plastic, meaning that as an adjective, not made of plastic, meaning that you can give it any shape you want. And then with a process called um, dry freezing, you basically harden it and then it, you know, it stays in that shape. And... Basically, there are a lot of good features uh, that would make DNA bioplastic better than normal plastic. First of all, it's bioplastic renewable. 
the sources of DNA are, you know, usually eco-friendly and it's very easy to use them without major impacts on the environment. Uh, they're water processable, at least this one. Basically, you just need to hydrate them again and they become soft and moldable again. So you can change their shape and recycle them. So again, they're also 100% recyclable. So very, very useful. But I don't know if you already forgot about the reason why I went to this paper. Where is the salmon sperm? Yeah. So I went into the materials and methods because I thought, okay, where are they getting the DNA? And the reason why the IFL science website purported it in this way is because their source of DNA is actually salmon sperm, which turns out you can easily buy online in any by any company of laboratory reagents. And I have the data, the product data sheet here from Sigma Aldrich, which is a very famous company of reagents that sells deoxyribonucleic acid, DNA, sodium salt from salmon testes. Basically, this is the, the funny part is where it comes from. The weird part is that while reading the paper, I noticed that the authors made a really bad choice in when when thinking of the example of one of the shapes you could make out of DNA. Because out of, out of all the different shapes they could build, they chose to build and use in the paper a mug. A mug made of DNA, a mug. You know. So that's like, but what didn't you say that it was like um, reshapeable when it with water or liquid? Exactly my <laughs> point. Oh, and no. it's they, the authors also did realize that. So basically, in the whole paper, they say, okay, if you add water, it becomes softer again, and you can give it another shape, and then you dry uh, and you f uh, like dry freeze it, and then it becomes hard, and you can use it and stuff like that. And then they have a picture of a nice mag. Not, I mean, not really pretty, but you know, and stuff like that. And you're like, but, 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 mug, water. Mm. And at the end of the paper, the other they go like, yeah, we we acknowledge the fact that um, the fact that it's basically it gets softer, it gets softer with water, might not go really well with the idea of using it for a mug. So they do acknowledge this limitation. Yet no one in the group thought, okay, maybe. Let's use another shape as an example. No, we just said, oh no, but there are other ways where we can do this. We can use like a water, a water repellent paint once you do the shape or further studies will go into this. But I love the fact that they decided, you know what? We'd start it with the mug and we'll finish with the mug, even though it wouldn't work because as soon as you put water in it, the mug would just melt. What I'm pretty sure that they went all the way they printed the thing or they molded the thing and then at the very very end just an intern an undergrad went like but isn't it going to be a problem and they're like and instead of redoing the whole thing they simply went with writing it and saying like we know we messed up but bear <laughs> yes. with us it'll be fine exactly exactly something like that and Giuliano, like awkward question but how is this article exactly related to the holiday um, season, Christmas, and so and so? Well, because usually everyone does lists of potential advices on gifts that you could that you could give to friends and families. 
I have an idea of what absolutely not to make as a gift. A mug made out of DNA because it's not going to work as a mug. So do not <laughs> give DNA made mugs as a Christmas gift. Sound advice, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, as a final take-on message about the, the fun facts is two things. First of all, amazing progresses on because this is one study but there are several studies trying to figure out new materials to replace uh plastic and this is one of them uh with many advantages so you know great hope for the future for this one and second i was really like i didn't i don't i still don't know whether to respect or not disrespect the title choice from ifl science when they basically took the whole paper, which is about using DNA instead of plastic, and they just took the most significant detail and put it in a title as scientists made plastic out of his sperm. So yeah, clickbaiting in science. Next will be my fact. And um, mine is, it's related to Christmas in a really roundabout way. So. As we all know, there are penguins in the North Pole because they live in Santa's zoo. As a uh, highlight, as we all know, yes, definitely. Um, cor correction, as a Finn, Santa Claus lives in the north of Finland. <laughs> exactly, let's make this clear. Anyways, my fun fact is that we have a missing link for penguins. Wait, sorry, question. Qualification. You mean missing link between what? The oldest fossils that we have for penguins are simply massive flightless birds in the southern hemisphere. But there's no in-between the flying bird that gave rise to penguins and the flightless ah, bird that is now. So we okay. all the fossils that we have of penguins are already flightless. Okay. So we don't really know what happened. Yeah, exactly. When they just went, you know what? Walking is just fine. Swimming, actually. So there's there have been some studies that actually suggest that it, it has been the swimming that made them basically stay where they are because the biomechanics of flying so basically, the shape and physics behind flying, it's pretty much the complete opposite of what you need for swimming. Oh. And so the hypothesis at the moment, because it's really hard to prove anything without an example, and again, the premise of the fun practice, we don't have an example. Basically, the, because they're so different, they, as soon as they started swimming more they simply lost the ability to flight but there are a lot of really good fossils of penguins because after they lost flight abilities their bones started getting stronger and harder so they were better at fossilizing essentially and so one of the biggest penguins that we've had is called Incayacu paracasensis and it it was found in Peru in the Pacific coast and again something that blows my mind and how of how science works um we know that it was not um the tuxedoed bird that we know and love but he was um actually a 
very outgoing, colorful, blue and red uh, penguin. Because some of the fossils that they found, they were able to find pigment molecules in them. And then they, there are some artist impressions based on the, off of the, these were the pigments. And they, were, they knew that they were um, kind of like red ochre-ish and blue gray colored. And yeah, no, it, it's frankly, I mean, the artist impressions, they're, they're really, really cool. And it was a massive flightless bird. So, yeah. When you say massive, how massive? Like, do we have a, a size? Yeah, so the emperor penguin, the largest uh, penguin that we have at the moment, is about a meter in size. Mm -hmm. And this Inkayaku was found to be about 1.2 or 1.5 meters. So a decent size. Um, I know I have short trends, but they're about 150. So it's the size <laughs> of a person. Yeah. Not dressed as wait waiters, but more colorful. No tuxedo. Okay. Yeah, no, they were they were that friends that it blatantly ignores the dress code. And they're just kind of like, <laughs> I gave you instructions. It was it was white and black for everyone. And they what is the blue or red there? Why are you dressing <laughs> like that? Yep. That's why they got extinct, I guess. Nobody was nobody was everyone stopped inviting them to the parties. Um so Oh yeah. poor penguins. Poor penguins. <laughs> Stick to the dress code, guys. Stick to the dress code. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really have any take-home message uh, for my fun fact. It was just kind of like, penguins are cool. Um, and they, they don't all live in a winter wonderland because Peru is a tropical country. How they take dress code so seriously, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. To the point of extingu extinguishing anyone who doesn't follow with the rules. <laughs> exactly. Um, and the... Final fun fact, it would be Stevens. So, Stephen, what do you have for us? By the way, if I may, Stephen, first, shall we introduce you to the art to our audience? Yeah, right. You want to introduce uh, yourself? Yeah, I can introduce myself. So, I'm Steve. Uh, I'm currently, I've just joined the Science Basement team, and I'm currently a trainee podcast editor. And I've been out at front of house, and apparently I'm talking on the podcast now too. Uh, so, we'll see how that goes. Very excited to have you on the team. Ah, cheers. Uh, so I have a fun fact, a holiday festive fun fact related to everybody's favorite socially awkward inducing plant mistletoe. So maybe people are aware that in uh, the tradition that when you hang mistletoe and as a Christmas decoration, then you're supposed to, if you ever uh, uh, end up under the mistletoe, you're supposed to share a kiss. And this is for a young man, quite a socially awkward situation, quite uh, social anxiety inducing. And so I've come here to take mistletoe down a peg to make this even worse for everybody, uh, to worry about mistletoe. So oh, mistletoe, no. <laughs> mistletoe is a baffling plant. I don't understand why it's a decoration. It's a parasite. It causes the death of thousands of acres of woodland every year. And yet we hang it in our home and make it all romantic and lovely. And so I went on a, on a science trawl to try and take it down a peg. 
and I found a study from 2015 in Nature Communications. And there are species of mistletoe, uh, dwarf mistletoe, which can actually explode. So this is something you'll have to worry about next time you're kissing under the mistletoe. There's a species of mistletoe that can release its seeds at over 100 kilometers an hour. And the paper itself was specifically tasked with finding why the seed, uh, how the seed, the, the mechanisms behind the seed uh, dispersal. And what they found, they used two different ways of measuring the heat of the, of the mistletoe plant. And they found that it spontaneously heats up uh, and undergoes thermogenesis uh, right before seed ejection. So essentially, it explodes. And so think about that next time you're kissing under the mistletoe. Just another, another thing to worry about. Uh, that's one lethal kiss, potentially. Yeah. <laughs> I'm watching now the, video, the YouTube video that Steve, you linked in our, in our documents, which I guess we can also add. We should make documents. that available. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like the, the guy taking the movies, he's just pinching the plant and you can see the seeds just shooting in all the directions. It's ridiculous. The new COVID ruling in the UK will be that they'll install those all over the place to avoid people. <laughs> <laughs> Remember to be socially distanced, a plan might explode. <laughs> uh, I mean, to be fair, it might be, a, I mean, on one side, it's kind of dangerous and weird and awkward, but you can also make it very spectacular and epic. Like imagine in the action movies, right? Where the two main characters, they kiss and in the background there's an explosion and like, oh, I, always, I, I wish I was there as that, that person. Imagine that on a smaller scale. So you, you're kissing your partner and an explosion of seeds in the background goes on. I, that's, oh. do we call that epic or just an, ap an epic fail? It's an, uh, at the very least, adrenaline-inducing. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah. It adds yet another element of chance to the whole process. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, let's just roll the dice in, in another situation. It's like, oh, do, it, does this person like me? Do they not? Blah, blah, blah. blah. May I die? May I not? Like, uh, but actually, like, because they're moving really fast, but how, how big are the seeds? Because... If something like it might be that you just feel a prickle or something, and it's just kind of like actually, they're not that big. They're not that big. From the video, I don't have the exact size, but from the video, they look like the size of a, uh, a raisin. Yeah, they a raisin. Like raisins, or something. Yeah. They're not going to cause any damage. To, no, exactly. Like, yeah. But person. if they're going, but if they're going at a hundred kilometers an hour, that's you know isn't a bullet no, but the the the, uh, the guy, at least the way the guy touches them. It, it, it looks like, yeah, I mean, if they seem to go very fast, like you, you can literally see them shooting in the air. But, you know, clearly the, some of them are touching the end of the person and the person is clearly absolutely... So he doesn't terrified. look terrified? No. No, he's not wearing safety gear or... <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> or just uh, touching, touching the, 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 the mistletoe with a rod from the distance. <laughs> What a legend, touching mistletoe without the protective gear. Exactly, with a bulletproof jacket and a helmet. <laughs> it would take survival of the fittest like to another level. Do you think that's how the colored penguins got extinct? They tried to they, kiss they under liked, the They liked mistletoe. mistletoe too much. Yes, yeah. and that was it. It's, it's the only logical answer yeah. here. Yeah. I mean, sorry to 
break your story. This this might be the only problem with it, but as someone who comes from the tropics and is currently uh, in the tropics, we don't have mistletoe here. Um, so it was actually something that, like, growing up, you would see. It's just like, oh, yeah, the mistletoe and whatnot. And you're like, but what is this plant? I've never seen it. Like, um, but then again, we, yeah, like a friend was telling me the other day how to plant, pine, uh, plant a pineapple. And you're like, oh, yeah, you just, like, put it there and it grows. And it's like, yeah. It's uh, a take-home message. I suppose I don't really have a take-home message. Maybe be careful of Christmas decorations. Mistletoes are evil. Mistletoes are evil? Yeah. Although, as a pedantic scientist take-home message, the mistletoe that's often used in decoration is not this species of mistletoe. Thank goodness. Oh, sad. And that was all from us this year. Um, thanks a lot for listening and for a great year. We'll be back in the new year. We'll have a small break, but fourth season will be starting soon. So... Um, happy holidays to everyone, and happy holidays. you'll hear from us soon. Bye. Happy holidays, guys, and a happy new year. This is perfect. Be um, careful for the muscle tub. <laughs> oh yeah, we forgot to say that one. I know it's fine. You got the right dress code. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, bye. Bye. If you liked this episode, give it a thumbs up. Rate us on the podcasting app of your choice. And don't forget to share it with your friends. This podcast was produced by The Science Basement, a science communication organization based in Helsinki, Finland. Interested in getting involved or being interviewed? Get in touch at podcast at thesciencebasement.org.